Friends, we have two scripture lessons this morning. First, a little bit shorter one from the Gospel of Matthew, the 11th chapter, beginning at verse 28. Hear now God's word for us this day. Come to me, all you who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And then turning to the gospel according to Luke in the 14th chapter, three brief vignettes back to back, concluding with the parable of the great banquet, the passage that my sermon will focus on. First vignette, a brief story of Jesus healing a man. On one occasion when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. Just then in front of him there was a man who had edema. And Jesus asked the experts in the law and Pharisees, is it lawful to cure people on the Sabbath or not? But they were silent. So Jesus took him and healed him and sent him away. Then he said to them, if one of you has a child or an ox that has fallen into a well, will you not immediately pull it out on a Sabbath day? And they could not reply to this. The, third, the, the second portion on the theme of humility and hospitality that Stacy explored with the children when Jesus noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by the host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers and sisters or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And then finally, the parable of the great banquet. One of the dinner guests on hearing this said to Jesus, blessed is anyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. And then Jesus said to him, someone gave a great dinner and invited many. At the time for the dinner, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have a piece of land and I must go out and see it. Please accept my regrets. 
And others said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to try them out. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I've, I've just been married and therefore I cannot come. So the slave returned and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and said to his slave, go out at once into the streets and lanes of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the slave said to him, sir, what you ordered has been done, and there is still room. And then the master said to the slave, go out into the roads and lanes and compel people to come in so that our house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those who were invited will taste my dinner. For this is the word of the Lord. And let us pray. <clears throat> Holy God, we give you heartfelt thanks for the many ways that you invite us. You extend your reach to us. You seek us out in all kinds of ways, day after day, year after year. Help us, Lord, to experience and respond to your sacred invitation this very day that we might commit all that we are, all that we have, all that we might one day be to you and to the building of your kingdom. To that end, O oh Lord, speak to us now in a way that we will not miss. And we pray this in your precious name. Amen. Twenty years ago, this upcoming Christmas Eve, after all the worship services were over and we had returned to my home, I proposed to my wife, Emily. I asked her if she would marry me. And by God's goodness and grace, she said yes. I waited that year until after Christmas to send out my Christmas card and accompanying letter hoping that in the letter I'd be able to share that joyous news. It was, the it was the best Christmas letter I ever wrote. In the weeks that followed, we began to pour our energy into planning for and preparing for our wedding. And I will confess that it was a stressful chapter in our relationship. I wonder if you've ever been surprised by the stress of it all, planning your wedding or the wedding of someone you love. It's not easy to bring the expectations and the desires of two people, two families together. And so as our wedding day got closer, one of the most stressful questions was who to invite to the wedding. We both come from large families, many siblings and cousins and aunts and uncles. We both have friends we love dearly and who are important to us. What was the budget? How much room would there be? How many people could we include? Emily was a kindergarten teacher at the St. James School, the, the Catholic school here in town at the time. Her marrying a Presbyterian minister was, was big news. I was grateful I didn't initiate some kind of investigation about it all. 
It was a close-knit community. Everyone wanted to come. The kindergarten students in her class, they and their families wanted to come. The older students who she had taught in previous years, along with their families, they wanted to come. I was serving a church of about 350 members in Hunterdon County at the time, a wonderful congregation, incredibly supportive of me. They had witnessed and cheered on our courtship. Emily was in worship every Sunday in the front row, front row wearing these pink Chuck Taylor Converse sneakers at the time that the older church ladies just loved. Believe me, they wanted their bachelor pastor to get married. And they wanted to witness it to make sure nothing prevented it from happening. Of course, everyone was welcome to come to the wedding ceremony, which took place right here in our sanctuary. That was not the source of the stress. The question was how many people could we afford to include at the wedding banquet, the party, the feast that would follow. And somehow we sorted it all out. But all these years later, it's still a topic that I do my best to avoid. <laughs> Our main text for this morning from Luke's gospel is the parable of the great banquet. That story of a person who throws a feast, a banquet, and upon being rejected by those he initially invites, those on the A-list, for they are too busy, too distracted, too indifferent, he goes out of his way to invite those who are poor or crippled or blind or lame, and they come. And what joy they must have felt in being included and even then there is still room. Even then there is space in the banquet hall for others. The parable of Jesus points to the spiritual truth that God is the first and the great inviter. God's invitations are meant to shape and form and strengthen us into the people who God calls us to be. They're meant to shape and form us into the image of Christ. God's invitations begin with inviting all that is into being and into relationship with him. God's invitations go out to us again and again. Everyone is equally and uniquely invited into God's world, into God's heart. There is no tribe or family or group that is excluded. And God keeps inviting. And just when we think God has pretty good reason to tire of us or give up, God doesn't. God instead invites us. And God keeps on inviting. Sometimes we are among those who decline the invitation. We say, I have a piece of land. I need to check on it. Or I just bought five yoke of oxen. I need to give them a try in my field. Or I just got married. My spouse says I need to stay home tonight. We are too busy, too preoccupied, too burdened with the stuff of life to say yes to the invitations of God. If your life is anything like mine, each day has moments where we, in effect, say to God, no, thank you. Not today, God. Yet God does not give up. 
Jonathan Walton is the new president of Princeton Seminary. As far as I know, he is the first president of that school that is not a middle-aged or older white male Presbyterian minister. Perhaps there's hope for us all after all. At his inauguration just a few weeks ago in his stirring words, he reflected on this very passage. He said, the gospel invites all to a banquet where seats are shared, not seized, where achievement kneels before altruism, and where the bountiful blessings of life are not trophies to be hoarded, but treasures to be distributed. I think that last line sums up an entire stewardship campaign all by itself. The bountiful blessings of life are not trophies to be hoarded, but treasures to be distributed. He went on to say, our host in this parable projects an alternative vision of a society where the conceptual dividing lines between the first and the last, the margins and the center, the establishment and the excluded are erased and eradicated. This banquet host leverages his resources to make the banquet more open and equitable. Our host seizes this moment to swing open the doors of access and opportunity. And what he described so well in the banquet, what he described so well is the banquet that awaits us in heaven. And the foretaste of heaven, we are called to usher in here on earth. And so on this All Saints Day, we officially kick off our three-week stewardship season. A tradition, a spiritual practice we engage in each year in the life of our beloved church. And this year, the theme is come to the table. It's a celebration of the wondrous truth that we are invited by God to gather at the table together, to be fed and nourished, and to then go forth from the table that the love of God might be proclaimed and shared. Have you ever thought about how so many of the sacred and transformative moments of life happen around tables, reunions, birthday parties, first dates, Thanksgiving meals, where bread is broken and shared, strangers welcomed, grace given and received, love discovered or deepened at the kitchen table the dining room table, the table of a Bible study, the picnic tables where breakfast is shared each day on a main work camp, the Lord's table. In any community of faith, a central and most important act of the people is the worship of Almighty God. It is what grounds us. It is our ultimate reason for being. And in our sanctuary where so much of that worship takes place, A table, the communion table, is at the very center. A symbol of Christ's invitation to each of us to come, to be fed and nourished, to experience the bonds of faith and fellowship that connect us as one, to experience the presence of our Lord himself, 
and to then go forth from this place renewed in our energy and enthusiasm to love and serve others. In the center of it all is a table. I think of our new Westminster Hall kitchen and stay tuned for an announcement about when we'll have a grand reopening of that wonderful space. I think of the generosity of God and our congregation in supplying those funds, a quarter of a million dollars from Mother's Day to Father's Day this past spring. And the times of fellowship and food and hospitality to others we will share in as we gather around those tables. I think of the new home for God's co-op pantry right here on our campus where a love for neighbor will be lived out and food will be shared that will provide abundance for many tables. I think of our commitment to engaging those who have not returned from the pandemic and those who have no church family to be part of yet hunger for God and hunger for experiences of community and connection. There's a place at the table waiting for them. You know that our church and our ministry is one where all people are welcome. Everyone is valued. Everyone is needed. You know that we gather at a table of love and justice and new beginnings. And Jesus reminds us today that it is not enough to simply open the doors, to put an invitation of welcome on the signboard. We must go out into the highways and byways, extending God's invitation to those historically marginalized or overlooked, those who have felt invisible, judged, unwelcome. Our world is one where division and exclusion are the norm. Our faith calls us to push back on that. That all who hunger for God and hunger to experience connection and community will come to God. Come to God's table to be fed and nourished and go forth from that table into the world in love and in service. During this past month, I officiated at a graveside memorial service for the spouse of someone who grew up in our church. She asked me to read that beautiful passage from Romans chapter 8. The New Revised Standard Version, the translation I'm more familiar with, puts it this way. For I'm convinced that nothing will separate us from the love of God neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation. But she asked me to read it from the King James, which renders it a little bit differently. Some of you might recall it. King James puts it this way, for I am persuaded. I am persuaded that nothing in all of life will be able to separate me from God's love. I don't know about you, but when I'm convinced of something, it tends to be when I make the decision by myself, I weigh the pros and cons, I consider the evidence, I decide. 
When I am persuaded, on the other hand, it is usually much more because of the effort, the engagement, the commitment of someone else. Friends here at BRPC, how are we doing expanding the invitation list to God's table in the way that God calls us to? How are we doing persuading others of the depth and length of God's great love for them by the manner in which we love, the manner in which we serve, the manner in which we share with our community and our world the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Two weeks from today, November 19, is Consecration Sunday. We will be invited to present during worship and dedicate to God's glory our financial commitments to support the work of Christ here in this place in 2024. For over 300 years, generations have come to the table. They have gathered in this, gathered in this place to worship God, to be worshiped, to be nourished and transformed by God's great love, to form life-giving bonds of friendship with one another. And for over 300 years, worshipers have been sent forth from this place, sent forth from God's table into our world to love and to serve. How is God calling you to give that the gathering at the table and the sending forth will be strengthened and increased and made possible. By the way that you give, how is God calling you to expand the invitation list? How is God calling all of us together to go out into the highways and byways and be bearers of God's love for the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame, to be bearers of God's love for those who are anxious, disconnected, weary, or without hope. With a spirit of humility and gratitude, may we all pray about that question in the two weeks ahead. And come November 19, may we respond in exactly the way God calls us to. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.